Chapter Four: To understand fully the meaning of Christ, my anchor, we must remember His twofold nature. He is an eternal spiritual being, and He was born into the world of matter and time as a human being in a physical body. As an eternal spiritual being, His symbol is fire, which signifies active energy. The energy of the free will, which is able to initiate action immediately, without being slowed down by the inertia of previously established patterns of behaviour, we see how fire leaps with its flames to consume the fuel it needs for its continuance. We talk about a person being suddenly fired with enthusiasm. When we become really interested in something, we find that our interest raises our temperature. There is a real connection between life, interest, and warmth. We talk about the fires of life, and in the moments of sudden interest, feel warming energy coursing through our body. Fire then. Has from the earliest times of history been the symbol of spiritual life—that life which has no inertia but springs at once in the moment of decision into action. To be born of fire is to become capable of immediate and intelligent response. Water has always been the symbol of material plasticity, the symbol of substance. That can be modelled, that can take any shape as a fluid takes the shape of any vessel into which we may pour it. To be born of water is to be born into a physical body, as a living being in the material world. The very substance of living beings, vegetable, animal, or human, is composed chiefly of water. This substance is called. Protoplasm, which means first plastic substance, we begin our life in the physical world as a tiny sphere of protoplasm, which is nearly all water, with minute amounts of certain chemical substances in it. This tiny sphere is the egg or ovum from which all living beings develop. The birth into water. Is the entry into protoplasmic existence. Without this birth, we would not be able to develop the physical body in which we gain our experience of life on Earth. Without this experience, we would not disclose to ourselves our real nature. We can talk symbolically of our fire body and our water body. Our fire body. Is our spiritual body, and our water body is our physical body. Our fire body is the mass of vital energy, which is self-initiating, self-mobilizing. It is that in us which allows us to change what we are doing without having laboriously to work out a course of action. It is the source of our initiation. Christ's power in us that can leap like a flame at once to a truth. There is no inertia, no heaviness in our fire body. It is essentially vital, immediately responsive to every life situation. By means of our fire body, 
our spiritual self, we are able to respond to any demand made upon us in a real-life survival situation. It is this spiritual fire body which makes us leap at once out of danger when anything happens to endanger our life. Our water body, our physical life, is quite different from that of our spiritual fire body. Whilst our fire body is ready to leap into action at every moment to preserve our life, our water body, which we call our fleshly body, is not characterized by this ever-ready immediacy of the spirit body. Our physical life, water body, tends towards pleasure, towards taking things easily, towards la dolce vita, the sweet life. From this difference between the two bodies, we can understand why we are told that the fleshly life and the life of the spirit are often at war. The spiritual life is a life that prefers freedom. The fleshly life is a life that prefers pleasure and for pleasure is prepared to give up its freedom. This appears to be a very strange association for inside the same being we find two totally opposed tendencies, one towards freedom and the shaking off of bondage and one towards pleasurable self-indulgence with no regard for freedom as such as long as pleasure can be attained. Why should two opposing tendencies be held within the same single organism? Between the desire for pleasure and the will to freedom is generated a certain kind of tension. This tension has a very special function. Without it, we could never become a truly individuated being. It is this tension that makes us realize that we are individuals. Let us examine an elastic band lying on a desk, limply, unstretched. Let us imagine that this elastic band has a power to feel its own state, that it is sentient. How does it experience itself? We must say that it feels slack, hardly self-aware at all. Let us now imagine that we stretch this band and put it over two pegs so that it is held in a state of tension. How does it feel in this state? It feels more conscious of itself, has more self-awareness. What is the use of increased self-awareness to a living being? It increases the probability of survival, not only in the physical world, but in the spiritual world also. If we are able to generate sufficient self-awareness during our physical, earthly life, we shall be better able to retain this self-awareness after our life has ended and we have left our physical body. Here is where we really see the value of Jesus Christ for us and for survival in this world and the next. The fact is, that he, an eternal spiritual being, entered into a material physical body, a holy free being, 
entered into the bondage of the material world. To understand why he did this, we have to gain some insight into the meaning of Adam's fall and of our own tendencies to repeat this fall. First, we must remember that as human beings we are the possessors of a dual nature. We are double in construction. We have a physical body of flesh which we enter in the birth of water where we live first inside a water-filled bag or sack inside our mother and after birth inside our water-filled skin as a protoplasmic being in the outer world. And we have a spiritual body, a very fine body of free energy by means of which we are able to participate in the spiritual life of God. Secondly, we are to remember that by his entry into the material world, into physical embodiment, Jesus Christ showed us how to rescue ourselves from the tendency to repeat Adam's fall. This fall is a fall into identification with our physical body, our fleshly, pleasure-seeking nature. When we become fully identified with this physical body, we become enslaved by it. Its pleasure-seeking and pain-avoiding tendencies bind us ever more closely into our physical body until finally we come to believe ourselves merely physical. Then all memory of our true spiritual nature fades away until at last we become totally unbelieving. Then spirit becomes for us a word of no significance in relation to our being as we know it. We come more and more to believe ourselves merely material beings whose bodies are subject wholly to the laws of nature. This is the point where we fall easily into accepting statements of materialistic scientists who view the human being merely as some kind of complex machine subjected to machine laws. If we sink into this materialistic identification, we become more and more ready to be treated as machines. We expect from ourselves nothing more than we could expect from a machine. This is a strange, contradictory state of being, for on the one hand we believe ourselves to be merely complex machines, and on the other hand we actually experience ourselves as pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding beings. And seldom do we ask ourselves the questions, if we are merely machines, why do we feel pleasure and pain? And if we feel pleasure and pain, why do we believe we are merely machines? As long as we view ourselves as pleasure seekers, we are trapped by the particular conditions under which we gain pleasure. If we view ourselves as pain avoiders, we find ourselves driven far away from anything that might cause us pain. If we accept the so-called scientific view of materialistic thinkers, 
we behave as if we were machines governed by mechanical laws. Then we lose awareness of the freedom that stands at the true centre of our souls. But Jesus Christ, by his incarnation in a physical body and by his conquest of the tendencies of the fleshly life, showed us that we do not have to fall into identification with the things of the material world. We do not have to view ourselves as mere pleasure seekers and pain avoiders, nor as mere machines obeying mechanical laws, nor do we have to forget that we are really spiritual beings whose very essence is freedom. Jesus Christ is our anchor. By his victory over the temptations of the fleshly body and over the desire for power over other things and over the mechanical reactivity of the material part of his being, he showed us that victory over the flesh and over the world of matter and time is possible. We do not have to be enslaved by pleasure-seeking tendencies. We do not have to be intimidated by our pain-avoiding tendencies. We do not have to think of ourselves as slaves of material mechanical laws. Jesus Christ gives us a picture in our mind of a special kind of man. This picture can serve to remind us of the possibility of spiritual freedom. It is a picture of the anchor man, the man who has anchored himself by his will to the will of God, a will which says that every man's essence is free and that this freedom can be realised by every man who takes Christ as his anchor. Another symbol of Jesus Christ is a fish. We swim in an ocean of anxiety and need this fish symbol to remind us of the fact that in the middle of this ocean, in the middle of all our anxieties, we can learn to swim. We can learn to see life as Jesus Christ sees it, as a situation in which we are surrounded by instabilities and yet can stabilise ourselves as a fish stabilises itself in the midst of the ever-changing, ever-contrary-flowing waters of the ocean. That life goes up and down, that there are waves on the ocean of life, that the situations in which we find ourselves continuously change, that our condition is never for very long the same, is something we all know. But that we tend to think it should be otherwise is also something we all know. Yet, Jesus tells us by his life that it is better for us to be wary of thinking that something should be other than it is. We have to learn first to accept what is and then we shall become able to respond profitably to it. A sailor who goes to sea does not expect it to remain flat and calm. He gains what he calls his sea legs. <laughs>